We are in the sixth law, if you will, of the seven laws of the spiritual life. We've been looking at those for a little while now and and it's been good. We started off with, and I'm not going to repeat all of them, but I think the number one that we always have to remember that is, He is God and we are not. That's a humbling thing to understand because we like to be in control of our lives, don't we? And sometimes we have to admit that He is God and we are not. Now we can say, well, yeah, I have no problem admitting that. Okay, if you have no problem admitting that, why do you and why do I sometimes like to hold the reins so much? He's God and we're not. And, and today we're looking at this title of the message here is There is No Growth Without Struggles. And I think that just about every single Christian here understands this principle but doesn't like this principle. Ken and I were talking before the service. I think anybody who's walked with the Lord for any amount of time understands that struggles are a normal part of the life. And we can really even see that we have been blessed through the struggles, seen how we've grown in Christ, seen how God's faithfulness has abounded, and today we'd say, but I don't want any more. <laughs> it's sort of like the snow. Everybody's all excited at the beginning of winter. Oh, can't wait for the snow to fall. Now it's like, oh, it's snowing again. You know, it's like, I'm tired of this. You know, in fact, somebody came in this morning and says, how far is it to Florida? <laughs> I get that. I understand that. But you know what? We do the same thing in our spiritual life, don't we? Lord, no more. But God says, look, I love you so much, I don't want you to stay the way you are. I want you to grow, and I want my grace to abound in and through your life. Again, it's Philippians 1.6, right? He who has begun a good work in you is faithful and just to complete it. God has got a work He wants to do and He will complete it. And you know what? No matter how much we kick and scream, He's still going to complete it. Might take a little longer. Might, uh, might even forfeit some things. But God is still going to work. Now, sometimes we wonder about the trials and the things that we go through. And we wonder why God is allowing these things. In First Peter 1, verses 6 through 7, it says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. And look what he says, That the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You know, and I thought, you know, that fits in so perfect with uh, one of the hymns we just sang. We, I don't have a hymnal up here, so I'm just going to hop down for a second. In 408, if you t take a hymnal for a second, and I don't know if you remember singing this, because i be honest, there's times that we sing hymns and we pay no attention to the words we sang. We could put up heresy at times and people would sing it because we do. There's one song, Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Right? Create in me a clean heart. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. We can't sing that today. Because if we're born again, the Spirit will never leave us. But in How Firm a Foundation, in the third stanza, halfway through, uh, The flame shall not hurt thee. I only design, 
is that they dross to consume and they gold to refine. In other words, this falls in, this is doctrinally sound. God allows these trials, these fires of life to come in because not to destroy, but to bring the dross up that He can dis- to, to remove it from our lives so that we can be refined, be more like God, be those trophies of His grace. And so God allows these things, as He says, that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold. God does not care about the rocks as much as He cares about your life. Although even the rocks and the trees will praise God if we fail to. And so God wants to do a great work. Spiritual growth is possible and necessary, but it's not instant or easy. There's no shortcuts to maturity in the Christian life. There's no shortcuts. We'd like to, We'd like to, you know, can I test out of this one? <laughs> you know, but it doesn't happen, does it? We have to go through that. And I don't know who started the little saying, but I think it's really uh, apropos. There, there's no testimony apart from the test. You have to go through the test to have a testimony of what God has done and is doing and will do. So sometimes when the tests come, I mean... Stu being a school teacher, a former school teacher, how many times will you say, okay, we're going to have a, uh, a pop quiz? Everybody's like, yes! No, all the kids are like, oh, we weren't ready for this! Right? And guess what? Don't we do the same thing in our spiritual life when God says, okay, pop quiz? And we're like, oh, <laughs> hello! You don't know. Thank you. You know, I, I'm sick today. I'll, I'll come in tomorrow. But it doesn't work that way. The Christian life is a one day at a time journey and the trials are a normal part of that journey. It's one day at a time. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's got enough problems of its own, right? Today's got enough problems of its own, right? Don't borrow tomorrow's. Right? You can't pay today's and you're not going to pay tomorrow's. Just, you know what? What we have to realize is that today's problems... Again, I love the saying is is an opportunity for God to perform a miracle. And and today's problems are an opportunity for God to work his grace and his mercy and his righteousness in and through your life. To cause us to grow and to cause us to see that we have a a, a great dependence on our God. Here's four principles that can help us clearly think about trials that we have to understand. Because we live in a fallen world, bad things happen to us all. Plain and simple. Whether we, you know, again, whether we step into those various trials or we're just living our lives trying to live as close to God as we can, we live in a sin-cursed world. And bad things do happen. But don't forget, if God allows those things in our life, His grace is greater. And He is going to use that for a purpose. Can we trust our God? That's what He's asking. We have no control over many things that happen to us or to those around us. That's what causes great stress for many of us. We want to be in control. We want to hold the reins. 
I was just thinking of this. Turn to Isaiah chapter 14. Starting in verse 12. Some of you will recognize this. How you have fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest side of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. And God said, you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. When we force our will to try that, to top that of God's, we're no better than Lucifer. In fact, we're falling right into his hands. And I'm even talking about Christians because there's Christians that want to control. We don't have control. The only control, if you will, is what God has given us authority to do. That's all we have. And when we have realize this, look, it's sort of like Jesus, who is the Son of God, laying aside His deity, if you will, for a minute, His prerogatives, He said, not my will, but Thy will. That should be our heartbeat. God, you've given me a job to do. I'll be honest, I don't like what you're asking me to do. I want to do it this way. But nevertheless, your will be done. That's what the Lord did, didn't He? And how, however that we don't have control, we do, however, have complete control of how we respond. I, I, I've shared this little cartoon before and I, I think it's just funny. I grew up um, watching cartoons. I love cartoons. I love Looney Tunes. That kind of fits my life perfectly. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and Bugs Bunny. <laughs> yeah. And Bugs Bunny with the hillbillies. Anybody remember that one? Right? And, and, and the hillbillies start fighting. And Bugs Bunny was just an innocent bystander, right? No, he's an instigator. He gets right in there, right? Take your partner, swing him around, punch him in the nose, and kick him down. You know, and he and, and you know, and he starts going, and he goes to the next guy, tells him what he should do, and these guys are pummeling each other, right? And and it's just kind of, I just. You know, okay, my warped sense of humor, I guess. And I think it's funny. I'd like to watch that cartoon again. You know, I might, the wrong, words might be wrong, so I've got to get them right. <laughs> you know, but, uh, you know, listen, when life happens, bad things happen. When people disparage your character, question your integrity, your honesty, when they hurt your family. We want to kick them in the shins and knock them down. 
We're the ones who are in control of our response. How do we respond to that? When those that brought Jesus before Pilate and accused him of heresy in starting a riot and starting you know, to be against Caesar, what did Jesus do? He opened his mouth not like a sheep before his shearers. Bless and do not curse. Pray for your enemies. That's a hard thing to do, but it's a necessary thing to do because you know what? If you're born again, you have the Spirit of God living inside you and the Spirit of God, His job is to lead you in truth and righteousness and He will give you the ability to act and to respond properly. Amen? Our response to our trials largely determines our spiritual growth or the lack thereof. It's not just our mind's attitude, what I think about it, because normally what's there will finally come out. It's but how do I respond to that? Because that will show whether I'm going to position myself to grow in grace and godliness or I'm going to have to take a little longer to learn this lesson. You know, again, I joke around and I think it's perfect. God gave me the perfect last name, Rockwood, petrified. There's a lot of times that I learn the hard way. Because I can be stubborn just like the next person. I can be pig-headed. I like that term. I can be like that. And, and, and yet, when God is bringing me through a lesson, He wants to show me His grace. He wants to show me His wisdom. He wants to show me His character. And He wants to show me how I need Him so desperately. And sometimes I have to let go of the wheel and let God direct. We encounter God's grace through our trials in ways that we could not apart from them. Listen to this statement. I think this is so good. If you take notes, write this one down. Because it is so it is just so fundamental. It takes a mature Christian to understand this principle and ironically it's this principle that makes us mature. That there is no growth without struggles. It takes a mature Christian to understand this principle. If we've, again, if we've walked with the Lord for any amount of time, we understand it's usually through the trials of life that we have got to know more about our God and His goodness to us. We understand that. But ironically, it's this principle that makes us mature. Going through those struggles. And so, when we say, God, I don't want any more, we're saying we're putting our spiritual education on hold. We're putting our spiritual growth on hold. Now, I'm not saying, okay, God, bring them on. <laughs> I say, God, in Your sovereignty and Your wisdom, You've allowed this to happen in my life. Give me the grace. Give me the wisdom. Give me the endurance. Help me to learn what You want me to learn through this for Your glory. You know, and, and, uh, one of the hymns that we love to sing, it's a, I think one of the most favorite hymns there is, is what? Amazing Grace. In one of the stanzas it says, Through many dangers and toils and snares I have already come. Tis grace has brought me safe thus far and grace will lead me home. Alright? What is the author saying? 
I've been through heartaches. I've been through trials. I've been through struggles. And the only way I got there is, uh, uh, got through those all is through God's grace. The only way I'm going to continue on and get there to, to glory and to see my Lord is through His grace. And it's okay. God has a wonderful plan for our lives. God wants to do marvelous things. Will we let Him? Paul writes in Galatians 5.17 which talks about two principles and this is where we struggle with. This is where the rubber hits the road. Okay? In Galatians 5.17 it says, For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. This is where we struggle with on our daily basis, isn't it? Is with the flesh and the spirit. Behold, all things become new. We're becoming new. At that instant that we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we're not the same person. Amen? We're given a new mind. We're given a new heart. We're given a new direction in life. But we're growing in that. You know, um, our grandson, and Pat's too, <laughs> uh, little Ollie, smiles, cute, and he is one determined little sinner oh he's got me wrapped I don't you know but you know what he wants what he wants and when you tell him no he just smiles and he still continues on to want what he wants you know what we didn't teach him that and I'm sure Corey and Erica didn't teach him that that comes pretty natural and, uh, you know, it's fun to watch to a certain degree. It exasperates his, his grandmother. But, uh, you know, it's, it's fun to watch. It's like, this is, you know, this is Christianity 101 right before us. <laughs> you know? I mean, this is what God deals with on a regular basis. For we are His children. And some of us are babes in Christ. And some of us are maybe adolescents or toddlers, if you will. And we still have a sin nature. And I don't care how mature you think you are in Christ, you still have a sin nature. Amen? And some days, it wins out. And we struggle with that. And that's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying there's some days that we don't do what we wish. I still think at many times the angels in glory look down and say, Really? You died for that? Shouldn't they know? You know, they, they marvel. They watch to understand the grace of God. And some days I think we exasperate that. But here he's saying that we, we come at odds because we have been given a new heart, a new nature, a new desire. And I believe the reason why the majority of you here are here today is because you want to grow in that grace and understand God and understand His will for our lives and have that power and the encouragement that as soon as you leave these doors, you have the ability to live a life that's pleasing to God. I believe that wholeheartedly. That's why you're here. But as soon as, in fact, maybe some of you have already tuned me out, but as soon as we step outside and it's a very windy day, some of the things that I've said have already blown through your ears and, you get, and guess what? You're right there at life again and you have to make a choice. Am I going to trust God, do what's right, or am I going to do what I want that's more pleasing to the flesh? 
Now it's not always ex- you know, extremely sinful, but sometimes it's not God's best. Maybe the third or fourth piece of cake. I'm not saying you can't have two. You know, I mean, the list goes on, right? That we could say, this isn't necessarily bad, but it is it beneficial? Is it going to help me grow in my godliness? Is it going to get me closer in my walk with God? Is it going to be used of God to bring other people to Christ? Will it be used of God to edify the body of God? Or is it just like, I want my comfort and my space? Right? Listen, you know, the enemy is good, but man is also very crafty at this. For the last number of years, we have been putting things into our lives where we do not have to deal with people. I remember the first big box that our son, when he was a little kid, thought you could put eight tracks in. But it was actually a VHS player. (laughs) Think about it. You get movies that you can watch at home so you don't have to interact with anybody else around you. And how many guys is still flashing 12? (laughs) Right? And then we get DVDs. And then we get, instead of a room this size filled with computer, this little thing that sits on your desk or on the floor, your personal computer, where, don't you hear what's going around? No, I'm watching the computer. I mean, you, you don't even know that the kids are around and you know the kitchen's on fire or whatever. You know, I mean, you are sucked right into that. This TV's just as bad, right? But we, we, we make it so that we don't even have to interact with people. And we wonder why our relationships with one another don't grow. And if we're not careful, how many of you... Now they say, on average, those who have smartphones check them more than a hundred times a day. On average. Paul is smiling at me. (laughs) I hear her phone going off all night long. (laughs) Words with friends. Friends let you sleep. (laughs) But you know, I mean, it's it's amazing that we, we allow those things to take up so much of our time. And again, they're not necessarily bad but how much time are we spending with our Lord and with God's people there is that constant battle of the flesh and the spirit again I'm not saying playing words with friends is bad but how much time do we devote in studying God's word how much time do we spend in prayer How much time do we spend in fellowship with one another? How much time do when we finally get home from work we say, ah, I can't go out to prayer meeting. Why? Well, I'm going to watch a television show. I'm just going to sit here and veg and I'm not doing anything else. Why can't you be out in prayer meeting? Well, let's be honest. I don't want to. Don't lie about it. Just tell the truth. I don't want to. That's okay. But listen, we struggle 
Paul even reminds us of the same thing in Romans chapter 7. Paul talks about there's that war. The things that I want to do, I find myself not doing. The things I don't want to do, I find myself doing. Paul understood it. And he didn't even have a TV or a smartphone. He still struggled with those things. Because that is that dual nature now that we have. Think about this. I don't know about you, but I didn't come to know the Lord till I was 27. Okay? When I finally came to know the Lord and I started growing in Christ, I realize now what struggles are. Apart from that, the world really doesn't understand the struggles that we go through. Because they don't have that spirit that's trying to draw us closer to God. But I want to do that. It's not good for you. But I like it. It's not good for you. But my friends... They're not really your friends. <laughs> and, and, but we, and then what do we do? The, the buts. Whatever comes after that three-letter word, but, is what we accentuate. Is what we really look to. I have this real big problem but God's word says this what do we accentuate in God's word most of us it's the other way around I know God's word says this but and we accentuate what comes after that we struggle but that's okay listen if we struggle with sin it's a proof of our divine heritage if sin causes you to struggle, there's a war that's going on and it shows that you're one of Christ's. Because the world doesn't struggle really with sin. And if you can sin without any struggle, without any remorse, you better check to see if you're truly a child of God. Because again, the Spirit of God, His job is to convict the world of sin and lead us in truth and righteousness. And if you are one of God's children and you willfully sin and there is no remorse, no conviction, no fear, no nothing, then you know, you better check your pulse to see if you're alive. So struggles in and of themselves are not necessarily a bad thing. It shows us that God is at work in our hearts, that God is is at, is alive and working and wants to cause us to grow. Struggles reveal our, our weaknesses. It kills our pride and our arrogance. It humbles us again and again. And it teaches us to rely upon the Lord. Those aren't bad things. Ken and I, again, we were talking this morning. Struggles, when we hear the word struggle, we think, oh no. But sometimes the people struggle with even doing the right thing, with good things. Because sometimes even those good things cause greater commitments has that nasty word that starts with the letter C, H-A-N-G-E, change. We don't like change. You know, We even keep jars and plates or whatever on our tables to get rid of our pocket change. Right? We don't want to even carry change around. When we're in Canada, they tell you, you know when you're a Canadian is when you walk and you jingle. You know, because all their money, the loonies and toonies, you know. But I, I mean, change is not always bad, is it? And us guys, when we were doing the, the growing in Christ, not growing in Christ, experiencing God, some of the ladies have done that. Blackaby changes even that word and uses the word adjustment. Adjustment is a little kinder and 
more civil, isn't it? Just need a little adjustment. You ever hear somebody say you need an attitude adjustment? That's usually the one up, upside the head, right? But I mean, you know, sometimes we need an adjustment. Now, we need a complete change of heart and change of thought and, and change of direction. Listen, let me ask you, if change is all bad, if change is all bad, you would not be sitting here today. Because from going from darkness to His marvelous light is change. Salvation is change. Edification is change. Sanctification is change. It's all good and necessary what God has planned for our lives, for our benefit, for His glory. Amen? That's what God desires. So the way we're going to go through these is through one day at a time and there's going to be struggles. Now, not every day is a struggle. Some days are more than others. Some days the struggle is... Will I just do what's right? Or will I totally just disobey and do my own thing? Other things is, you're not, it's not even your own struggle, it's what's going on in the lives of other people. I mean, as my position now, I deal with a lot of people's problems. And it breaks my heart to see what's going on. This past week, I dealt with three different men all going through huge marital problems. Some that they have been very uh, willful participant in causing the problems. And one that is just how it is. I remember one guy telling me he doesn't love his wife anymore because after 30 plus years of marriage, she's carrying around a lot of baggage. And I said, yeah, and after 30 plus years of marriage, you've helped pack those bags, dummy. You know, well, there's there's beautiful single women that I work with, and there's a reason why they're single because nobody else could live with them. You know, come on, smarten up, folks. That's what it comes down to, right? Let's be honest. God allows things in our lives because He wants us to look to Him, the Author and Finisher of our faith. Here's some practical things while we're going through struggles and trying to trust God in all these things. If you go back to James, it doesn't make sense, humanly speaking. But in James chapter 1, verse 2, what does he tell us? My brethren, now who's he talking to? Christians, right? Brethren are Christians. Okay, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect, complete, lacking nothing. Do you see what he's saying? is these various trials are helping you to grow in your spiritual life that you will be complete, lacking nothing. The only way that you are going to be more adequate and more complete is going through these trials. Because apart from these trials, you are going to miss the lessons that God wants to teach you. 
So God wants you to go through these things. Not because He's punitive and not because He's sitting there like, ha ha. No! God said, look, I love you so much. I want you to grow. I have to, like I said that at the beginning, we've got to turn up the flames to bring up that dross to get those impurities out of you so that you're more refined, you're more godly than what you were before apart from these trials. Now I know sometimes these trials hurt and I know sometimes they're painful and I know that you would rather not go through these things. But listen to me. Go through it because the blessings far outweigh the difficulties of getting through it. Any of you know if you've had any type of surgery or you've broken a bone or anything, it's painful. And sometimes even the healing process is painful. But the results are much beneficial, aren't they? And, and sometimes we have to go through those things. So here's some practical hints when trials do come. Number one, don't trust your feelings. Do not trust your feelings. Your feelings won't be an accurate guide. Judge your circumstances by the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. Seeing things God's way doesn't cancel your trials, but it helps transform your evaluation of those trials. Why is God allowing this? What is God trying to say to me? What is God trying to show me? You know, it's not always when somebody's doing something wrong or whatever. And uh, You know, I've shared over and over and over again when... I worked at the post office and I had a supervisor for over six months trying to get me fired because he just didn't like me. I don't know why. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, after I wised up and stopped praying the imprecatory psalms upon him, you know, the hot fire, hail and brimstone upon him, God's like, it's not him that needs to change. It's your heart that needs to change. Do you understand the pain and the hurt that this man is going through in his own life? Do you even care? Are you just going down your life all willy-nilly and thinking everything's fine and everybody around you, there's there's pain and hurt in their lives? This man is already on his third marriage and all on the way out on that one. He was an alcoholic and he was just a miserable person. No wonder he's looking to find someone else to hurt because he would mask his hurt. Do you care about that? You know, that, that was hard for me to have to finally say is, man, what a jerk I am. Because I made it all about me. You're right, God. i got to be praying for Him. Now, I can't tell you as instantaneous that it made me smile. But it, after a little bit of time, God allowed me the joy of interceding on behalf of that person. And God changed my heart. Not the circumstance. God gave me the grace and the ability to go through that six months with the joy of the Lord. Every day when I walked into work, I didn't know what's next. Except for I know that my God was going with me. Remind yourself of the promises of God. In the darkest hours, the promises will not always come easy but you must do whatever it takes to feed your soul on the bread of life. Those trials are going to come. They're going to be hard. And sometimes those promises, you know, we start to question them. 
Don't question God's goodness and God's promises. Don't judge God's promises by the circumstance. Get into the Word of God. Feed your life. Feed your soul. Watch how God is going to work in and through them. Choose to believe God. Do not and refuse to give in to bitterness and despair. Remind yourself, I can't go back, even if I want to go back. Where are you going to go back to? What are you really going to go back to? There's no retreat in the Christian life. Just move forward. I can't stay here either. We can't just stay still. Because the tides of life will cause us to go backwards in our walk. Now, I'm not saying we can't go back to the old life. I mean, we try sometimes. Sometimes we try to go back to a time that does not exist anymore. Think about it. You know, I've shared this before. When I think about my childhood, I, I don't have a bad childhood. I wasn't the best kid, but I didn't have a bad childhood. But that time doesn't exist anymore. It's not there. You can't go back. But you can't stand still either in the Christian life. Because your relationship with God is ever-present. What's God's name? I am, not I was. And by trying to stand still is you're trying to keep everything from moving forward. And it doesn't happen. And then three, I must go forward. I must go forward. By God's grace, He'll enable us to go forward and enable us to see what He wants to accomplish. Your faith remains theoretical till it's put to the test. You'll never know what you truly believe until hard times come. And your faith is only speculative until it is tested. We can talk a good job. But until it is tested, we'll never know what we're truly made of and what God is a bit able to do in and through our lives. We have to yield ourselves to God. I'm going to end with these five things that God will do and allows us to do when we go through sufferings. What God is trying to do when we go through sufferings. I'm going to end with these five. First, God wants to purge us of sin and to purify us of iniquity. He wants to purge us of sin. God loves us too much to allow sin to remain in our lives. Second, God uses sufferings to test our faith. Will we obey God in the darkness? Again, it's very easy to talk a good job, isn't it? But when we go through those struggles, will we doubt God or will we trust Him? Third, God uses difficulties to do something that we don't like, to humble us. Many times it's those difficulties of life that we realize I'm not as strong as I thought I was or I can't do everything that I thought I could do. God sometimes humbles us to see that first and foremost we need Him and we need the body of Christ. Fourth, God uses hard times to prepare us to minister to others. With the grace that you've been comforted with, you therefore comfort others. Sometimes the struggles and trials that God brings us through is not necessarily that there's a sin in our life, but He wants to prepare us to minister to other people. In fifth, I believe that God uses hard times to prepare us 
for a new understanding or a greater understanding of who God is, of his character. Again, apart from some of the difficulties in life, we would not realize what a great God we serve. But as we go through those difficulties, as we see how God is patient along suffering with us, how God never leaves us nor forsakes us, how God always equips us and gives us just what we need, just at the right time to keep pressing on, we realize we have a faithful God. We have a God who is the lover of our soul. And we say, God, all things are possible with you. All things. Lord, I thank you for this time today.